Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. With me are them couples, Cody, Sam, Jill, Alex, and our producer, Terry. This week, we're here to talk about Spyfall Part 2, written by Chris Chibnall, directed by Lee Haven Jones, aired January 5th, 2020. Jill, what'd you think about this one? There was a lot. I mean, obviously, it was really good. Maybe that wasn't obvious. I liked it a lot, but it there was just a lot to this episode, and it's I I feel like I need many more rewatches to digest it all fully. Cody, now, I'm kind of with Jill on the a lot, but I think it's absolutely amazing. The episode was so fucking good, and they fit like a whole two parter in a single episode. And like, this is what I want in Doctor Who from the beginning to the end. This is the this is that modern feel of writing that i like so much it is a two-parter it's a two-parter that should have been a three-parter boom we're now the three-parter gang hashtag should have been a three-parter hashtag (laughs) trend it no damn (laughs) sam what you think i really liked it the first time i watched it a little less the second time but i think i just have a couple issues with it we'll talk about it Laser shoes. We will. Uh, (laughs) Terry? I liked it. Sorry. Ah! (laughs) Terry just came of age. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I liked it a lot. It was fun. It tied up loose ends. I got to see new stuff about the doctor that I didn't know she was able to do. There was rompy parts and dramatic parts. It was an all good episode. An all-good episode. Uh, Alex? Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's so good. I love the do- or I love the master, and uh, it felt huge. It was a lot of fun. It was a good, very, 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 very good episode. Alex was talking there for a second, like somebody had a gun to his head. I no, I I've had two whiskeys already, and I'm div- diving into uh, beer now. So. <laughs> I, I pre-gamed. I'm good. So he'll be loud. No. Hey, Jake. This guy's already shifting in third. Get a shift on. Okay, <laughs> now, uh, hey, yeah. Jake. Yeah. What did you think of this episode? Uh, I think it's good. Not as good as the last one. What? Um, Get out of here. B- but I like all the Dr. Master stuff. And the rest of it is fine. Boo. What'd you think the first time? Same. Oh, boo. Like, it's a really good first episode. And, you know, for a two-parter, it's tough to kind of have the conclusion match that ramping up to the master reveal and all the the intrigue of all the spy stuff. And, you know, it, it tried and it did fine. But, uh, yeah, first episode's better than the second one. I feel like this two-parter as a whole was just trying to make up for the whole last season. It's like, pack as much in here as you possibly can. 
because these people stuck with us and or are restarting. (laughs) They're giving us a chance. (laughs) All right, stuff, go. Well, as you were talking, Jake, I was thinking of um, like the master because you said it's hard to keep like the ramp up for the reveal of the master. But I feel like in this in this episode, the second episode, it kind of expanded on how evil he is. Like when he came into that uh, science fair and just started blasting dudes, that's terrifying. Like he's such a scary dude. And I I thought they wrote him super well. And oh, man, I, I have a lot to say yeah. on the master. <laughs> well, I did. I did start by saying all the Dr. Master scenes were amazing, but. We didn't bring it up last week, but the um the master shrinking people, uh, that's from Classic Who. He used to do that in the seventies, and so it's fun that they brought that back. Alex referenced a lot of points that were from Classic Who or references that were from Classic Who. Specifically the contact and the talking between minds. Oh, that was oh, gonna yeah, be yeah. my next question. Yeah, Alex hasn't seen very much master stuff from Classic, especially seventies stuff. I have a comment on the mas- master. That's part master. of my problem. Um, I know that we don't see like immediately after Missy to this, so something had to have happened, obviously. But this is the same person that Missy came from, and it's such a far cry from her that I. That's my big issue. Just from the last story, the or the last episode, that the master could pretend to be good for so long. And then had no glimpse of it at all this episode. I kept thinking that too. I'm like, there's got to be some glimpse of goodness because of the last episode where he like played along for so so well for so long. Well, I think the reason for that, this sudden turn, is explained in this episode. Yeah. Gallifrey. At the end. I was, right. yeah, was going to say, are we jumping we right We don't know there? what it is. Yeah. yeah. We don't know what happened, but something happened and it was real bad. Yeah, And it seems to have caused the master to snap. And I love that reveal. Like, to me, that reveal was probably on par with, like, the first episode of, like, it's the master. I agree with Alex on that one. I think that reveal, I thought that reveal was better. Well, maybe you can't. There's, There's a lot of hubbub around having the master revealed. But this is, like, True Doctor Who backstory, like actual lore, not just like Scooby-Doo-esque monster of the day kind of stuff. And so I think that's by huge. By that reveal, do you mean the fact that Gallifrey is destroyed or the fact that the Master did it? The fact that there's something going on with the Time Lords that we have no idea about and that they okay. lied to both of both the Doctor and the Master. For me, it was him doing it because like he first said it was destroyed. But then the reveal of like him doing it, then you're like, holy shit, what happened <laughs> yeah. to make I him do that? I have a ton that? of questions on that, too. Like, I thought Gallifrey got destroyed by the doctor, but then he like saved it, but put it in its own dimension or something. Is that right? A pocket universe, a which pocket. the master references. He said, I went home. I went to that pocket universe that you stuck Gallifrey in. And then he found out some shit about the Time Lords, and I have never been so excited for what is probably the finale <laughs> in my life. Well, I was and gonna... I will say, as long as, sorry, Terry, as long as we're still on positives, that scene where he's like a hologram talking to the doctor about what he did, and he's like literally crying, and like saliva's coming out of his mouth or whatever, Jesus. he's amazing. 
And yeah. that's probably my second favorite scene of the whole episode. This it's just the two of them. Is insane. Just the highest of quality. Is he knighted? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Get this man a sword in his shoulder right through it. Just slice it. Get what, were you, what were you saying, Terry? Am I thinking correctly that the... Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that the main storyline for this episode, for this episode, for this season is going to evolve or, or revolve around um, the timeless child that they referenced. Do you expect us to answer that? <laughs> it's obviously going to revolve around Yaz's sequent jacket. Oh, that is true. <laughs> that is true. That is for sure. I'm, the I'm story. sorry. Who's Yaz? I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she did some stuff sometimes in this story, kind of. Yeah, like calling her mom like a dip. No, that was planned. <laughs> that was part of the plan. To call her yeah. mom so that it they could find out him. where they were when they yeah. just found out that they had GPS immediately after. That was part of the plan. Yeah, that was the plan. So they they would have the people show up, and then and then Graham showed up with his shoes, and then took their car. Like that was that was the whole plan. No. No. I yeah, I don't agree. That was the plan the next day. But oh, when... you're saying when when they're being talked at by the guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I he's see. first okay. saying like, "Oh, I know who you are. We've." We're monitoring you and all your stuff. And, yeah, that time. And Ryan has to grab her phone and smash it. Gotcha. Yeah. Wait, what's Ryan's name? It's like Jonas or something. Yeah, what the fuck was that? I thought it was, that was his undercover that was that photographer. Logan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I thought that was a crazy thing for a second. I, I was so confused. I was like, okay, I've seen this before and that is weird. <laughs> I also found it very interesting uh, to see that Daniel had kidnapped his own mother and then killed her. I thought what that scene was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Talk about it. Turns he's the bad guy. It was Ugh. like way out of the blue. Like, I don't know what his mother had anything to do with it outside of they're just like, let's get, let's make this f- bad guy just kill his mom. Well, let's do it was, that. It was more of a, like a proof of concept final test, right? Like he turned her into a hard drive and he's like, yep, it worked. Cool. Let's do this to the world. Well, so, okay, I'm I'm sad that they didn't kind of expand on what the fuck that meant. So, like, they killed yeah. you, and you're a hard drive? Like, by hard drive, do they mean, like, cadaver? It's like that woman at the very beginning of episode one who, like, had her DNA written and, like, isn't there anymore, but her body's still alive. There's just nothing in it. They're gonna make everybody like that. So what do okay. they do with that body? What is the point of they them? store uh, data in like the DNA butt stuff? Yeah, weird alien shit. But, but like stuff, what data? Obviously. Like what do they need it for? Well, the, as I got the feeling that the creatures, whatever they're called, I can't remember. Um, the Kasavin. The Kasavin. Are, <laughs> um, they well, it all revolves around computers, and my guess is that with all of this technology and history that. Uh, Daniel has been gathering and stuff like that through all of these people that we meet through the story of this episode uh, that just any other information that these Kasavin gather uh, will then be stored in the human race and it just turns into a giant hub of knowledge would be my guess. 
Yeah, that's kind of on the vein of what I was thinking too. Because they're they're not only in this time, they're in like every time across the universe. And so if they can uh, turn the human race into just hard drives, then they would just use them as like a data center. They're not really in every time across the universe. They're specifically... Just the Earth? In Right. They're specifically in Earth's history among people who have something to do with the furtherment of computers. Okay, I have an issue with that then, because that's, that's super stupid. Oh, I thought it was just spies for some reason. The spies were on to them, so they killed the spies, because oh. the spies were starting to get close. So, flowchart? That Ada, Ada what was her name, right? Ada Lovelace slash what? Ada Lovelace slash yeah. Ada Starts um, with a G. Byron. Oh, maybe not. Um, she had something to do with the beginning of computers, I think was said yeah. in there. Yeah, she, yeah, she's a real person. She helped um, create the first computer. She, well, the first, like, essentially calculator, but she's credited with creating the first algorithm so like her her and that dude like made what they called the analytical machine which just like did basic calculations and she figured out that it could do more than that so she she's credited with creating the first algorithm basically making her in a lot of people's eyes like the first programmer yeah it was pretty sick i i liked the line um when she was shooting the machine gun She's like, that weapon's not for women of your... <laughs> She's just like, well, <laughs> it seems to be working just fine for me, or verbatim. She lived in the early 1800s, by the way. This chick was amazing. Yeah, that's super cool. Wait, this chick was amazing because of her depiction on Doctor Who, or this chick was amazing because we just assume... No, IRL. No, the... Her accomplishments. I'm not saying she was a good person. <laughs> she, if you read about her, she was a pretty accomplished lady. Oh, I believe it. I'm guessing the spy was a real person, too. I really like the yes. history and all of it. Like, I wrote their names down to look them up at a later time. I almost looked them up, as <laughs> Alex would say. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if you did or not. <laughs> I'm going to. I have to. a few sentences on um, the other lady who was Noor Inayat Khan. Um, she was a spy, basically. They would send women over to the enemy side to be couriers. And she was like the first woman that they sent over to be a wireless operator. And wireless operators in that time had a life expectancy of six weeks. And she managed oh. from June to October before she was captured. And then she was held for a year before she was executed in Dachau concentration camp, which I went to a few years ago, and it is a horrible, horrible place. Oh, boy. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. I I'm not that. comfortable with the energy right now. <laughs> wow. I do like how the doctor was kind of doing a Bill and Ted vibe going on and like picking up uh, <laughs> these historical women through time. And I was like, oh, how far is she going to go with this? Like, I was really excited for more. Napoleon. <laughs> no, you need someone with muscle. You need to get like Joan of Arc. 
But like that's what Chibnall does. He did it in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, where like he has a three-person TARDIS team in Amy, Rory, and Rory's dad. And then he still has to go get Nefertiti and this big game hunter dude because, you know, four main characters isn't enough in a 40-minute story. True. The the other three really felt like they played no part, and they definitely didn't play any significant part. Their job was just to stay alive till the Doctor fixed everything. Yeah, and the Doctor, by all means... Did did some Deus Ex Machina repairs on that ship. Well, they're the airplane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like their path was very interesting because they thought the doctor was dead and not coming back. And the first thing that Ryan said was, well, we're going to figure out what they want and we're going to stop the Kasavin. Like that's what the doctor would do. And I thought that scene when they're sitting in that construction zone, uh, was really cool like it was the three of them coming together and finally realizing they don't know shit about the doctor i was yeah. just gonna say their point <laughs> in this story was to finally realize that they need to learn more and that's all i need from them like they yeah. super true and then they ask her one question and she kind of half answers it and they're like well, i don't know about you but i'm good <laughs> let's uh let's keep this train going yeah she gave them like five facts like the five easy facts like i'm from gallifrey i'm i stole the tardis and i've been running a bunch of information that they have no context for yeah (laughs) like oh i'm from the constellation customer so like oh that's amazing i know exactly where that is (laughs) (laughs) who that that's such a weird way to reference yourself as well like are we in a constellation to somebody else can we can we reference earth as part of the constellation uh, I don't know. Cancer, probably. Well, we only interact with humans. Yeah. Also, other races have constellations. I feel like other races would probably be smarter and be like, that's just a bunch of stars. Stop drawing pictures where they don't belong, people. I don't know. You got to figure every race had primitive people. Constellations help with directions, though, yeah? navigation yeah navigation yeah well it's yeah it's all it's all perspective based though like that constellation may not ex- may not exist on earth like we may not be able to just even see the right order to see that constellation true plus if you put a constellation like google maps like there's no directions to it <laughs> you can't you don't fucking know that's not a where, that's not a location where was in this 3D? conversation during before the flood when like the whole code that the ghosts were saying was stars and like a direction on how to get to earth there was other things to bitch about i think it's just a way of saying like like we would say i'm from earth in the galaxy the milky way it's just like you know maybe their galaxy is a cluster of a couple stars so she's like like i'm saying a state inside of a country or a town inside of a country yeah Yeah. it's just something dumb that some asshole wrote in an episode 52 (laughs) years ago and now we have to keep saying it yeah right (laughs) that's exactly the point now it's canon now it needs to be part of the entire thing you can't forget it or else some fanboy's gonna call you out jake will be right there (laughs) my first favorite scene i said that previous one was my second favorite my first favorite is when the master shows up at that like exhibit that Ada and the doctor are at. And yeah. yeah, like Alex was saying, just goes ham. And then when he tells the doctor to kneel and say his name, and then he gets down on his knees too. It's just great. The two of them together are amazing. 
They sure I, I don't are. know if we can. We, yeah. we, we should probably just get that out of the way right now. Like, huge gush. Huge gush between the master and the doctor. Their chemistry is absolutely amazing. They're both phenomenal actors. It's, it's just like the entire show should just be like. What what was that that invincible girl that had David Tennant as like uh, the villain? Oh, Jessica Jones. Oh, Jessica Jones. Yeah. It's just like Jessica Jones and David Tennant. Just like I just want a season of those two fighting each other constantly. We might have that. I mean, that's season one of Jessica Jones. Yeah, you did get that. Yeah. Well, but between Jodie Whittaker and oh, uh, I see, I see. Uh, okay, I will say. Who's who's the actor of the master? What's his name again? Sasha Dewan. I, I'm giving him MVP right now. I don't I don't care. Like, <laughs> he's uh oh, like without him this this episode just isn't or this story just isn't anything for me. It's oh he's so good. I don't even mind that he is an absolutely especially with the extrapolation with his realization on Gallifrey. Like I absolutely love his pure insanity. Yes. That dude is scary as fuck. Yeah. And like the look he gave uh that like 93% human DNA guy when he's like uh there's a problem and there's nothing that I can't solve and then he just like kind of shuddered in his screen. It's like, "Huh. Give this fucking guy a an uh, an Oscar. <laughs> give him all the Oscars." Just another another scene where he does that same thing is at the end when like the bad guy plan is working, but then it shuts off because the doctor went back in time and flipped a switch. Yeah. Uh, and he just, he just does that shutter again and goes, don't do this. <laughs> and he's like, it's under his breath and he's so angry <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's amazing. Um, when he came into that room with the, like the expo or whatever that was, he was dressed in like period clothing and I I wrote down, like, he stopped at a tailor before crashing the party or whatever. But, like, do you think he also can't drive well and had to, like, wait and, like, live in <laughs> Showed this? Showed up, like, eight months early. Yeah, like, had to, had to, like, live there and wait for the doctor to show up. That's a good point. He was there very timely. Well, the only reason I bring it up is because in the other scene, so when he's in Paris... He's like a general or a captain or something, which you can't just show up and become. Like, he had to have been there for but a while. Cody said he's that, using too. A, and, yeah. yeah, he's using, like, the face recognition thing. Yeah, Yeah, but he's using a perception filter. Did he take someone's identity, or did he just have an identity yeah, and went through the ranks? It's what he did with O, so I'm guessing there's a tiny little Nazi in his pocket in a matchbox. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. That's, that's lame. I like the other, I like the other thought better. Like, yeah, that... like, I was thinking, like, holy shit, he had to, like, start before the war, become he, like, a soldier. the Hitler youth. Yeah, and, like, be, be like, the best Hitler guy and become <laughs> a general. Hitler guy. Like, Hitler just pulls you out from the side. You, you are best guy. Which, I mean, he's the master. He is the best Hitler guy. Very much so. We will have a couple tweets of people, like, not really loving the imagery of the master in a Nazi uniform. I was kind of into it. Like, as, you know... Yeah. the As the master being, like, the ultimate villain. He's so bad. It, like, it's a weird thing to say, but he fits that Nazi suit well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and like uh, Asian actor in a Nazi uniform is well odd to see. Okay, I guess if you're if you're taking it out of context of the character and what's going on, right, right, sure, no, yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. You know the the sets and stuff that they were on too. Like it's it's kind of wild. the The scene in Paris when the doctor and Ada and uh, the spy lady were in that apartment, like Noir, 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 N O O R. When they were in that apartment, looking out on Paris, and it was Ada seeing this and then being told it's the second time this has happened, mm-hmm. like. That was such a powerful scene. And like I, I I paused it. I was like, Jill, are you watching this? Like this is crazy. Yes, he wa- asked me if I'm watching it the entire story episode, oh, it's by the so way. So good. It's great. <laughs> um, but I was gonna comment on the sets too, like all of the like Nazi stuff, like obviously it's a set, but I thought they did an incredible job with it. Like it was chilling. Yeah. Like it was uncomfortable Yo. to watch and that was the point and I thought they did a really good job. That Nazi Eiffel yeah. Tower. Oh, mm. that gave me the creeps. And then the spotlights over it. It's insane. It was insane. To bring up uh, another like uneasy moment, and this might just be my inherent sexism coming out, but both in this and in Rosa, I was like more uncomfortable than if the Doctor were played by a man when the Doctor's being like, grabbed around the throat by a dude it's like the master did in here space racist did it in rosa and it does kind of add an extra element by the fact that the doctor's a woman and uh maybe it shouldn't but for me i couldn't help it Hmm. equal rights equal fights baby i didn't notice (laughs) it if that says anything i mean i can understand it you know that's that's not like a, a thing you want to see, I guess. Yeah. It's just something I got to work on internally. Is, not in, uh, just not like, in your kids show. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like any of classic who stuff where like the female companions or female characters got into fights. And I can't really think of any. It was always the dudes. <laughs> well, the sixth doctor almost chokes Perry to death in his first episode. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Jesus. Is Perry a companion? Yes. The doctor just regenerated and he's he doesn't quite know what's going on. Wild. I think if you look at it this way that she often forgets that she's a woman. Like she said earlier too, like I'm the apparating man. Ah, lady, apparating lady. She's like every time. Like she often forgets that she's a woman. So to play these situations as like any man would i feel like her character would definitely be at ease with it and not see anything uh sexist about it if you will i think as a spectator yes you can read it that way but how her doctor has been i don't think she ever really plays into it unless she suddenly remembers she's a female. Well, it's not like she's trying to get choked. <laughs> regardless yeah. of her gender. Did you see what she was wearing, Jake? Oh, jeez. <laughs> no. <laughs> Edit that out. It's I'm a so joke. tempted to leave that in. It's a fucking joke, guys. <laughs> well, I mean, what else are you going to do when right, you are... I, 
I'm also only able to view it as a spectator. It's the only option I have. And regardless of the character's feelings about it, it does feel different to me to see a woman being choked by a dude on TV in a kid's show. So, and in contrast, when there's like a scene with David Tennant where he's like up against a wall being choked by something, you're like, oh shit, this is getting intense. It's not like a, oh God, this shouldn't be happening. So yeah, I could, I could get that. I didn't specifically pull that feeling, but I, I can, I can understand it. Yeah. No, you you guys are right. I just need to start accepting that women just need to be choked out sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there we go. That's I, that's <laughs> kind of what I was gathering from the conversation too. <laughs> oh shit! I'm dying. That was amazing. What the fuck is gender? Like the first episode of last season? Like we don't care about that shit. The what do you think the master? That? Verbatim? You think the master is looking at yeah verbatim, the master is looking at Jodie Whittaker being like, "Yo, this female." No, the master's like, "This is the doctor. This is another time lord. There's no fucking gender here. There's just a dude trying to stop him from getting what he wants. He's gonna choke, bitch." I do on love a kids that, show. I do love that they've played around with gender a little bit more with the master before we saw the doctor switch genders from our perspective, because I don't know. It just puts it on a like a more neutral level for me. And I think and Missy was a better place yeah. since we got Missy. Missy was better well, than it, Saxton. It makes it so they don't have to have that conversation on TV. Right. Like, they both get it. Um, Something, something you just said, Jill, sparked a memory of something I was going to say. Or maybe... I don't know. But I will say, from what Terry was saying... I do think my favorite line is Joey go Jody saying incredible shrinking man, incredible or apparating apparating man and then apparating woman and then the whole ah, every time. I love it. I also <laughs> have that written down. It was great. <laughs> Jill, you sometimes give her shit for her comedic timing, but I think in that case she nailed it. That was that was perfect. Yeah. I thought she her one-liners were better delivered in this episode. So that you could catch them and laugh before the next thing happens. And I think that's that has a lot more to do with the seriousness of the episode. That there's time for lines to breathe. I don't think what you're referring to as like throwing or like not giving a line time to breathe has anything to do with the actor. I think it's just the pace that the show is purposely going for. I agree. And yeah, it's okay not to like that. There's a lot of people that don't. I just, like, I I think she's hilarious, like her, or I mean her character, you know, I know it's the writing. And I just want to be able to enjoy it more. That's all. Yeah, well, maybe you're also hampered by the fact that anytime you stop to have a nice little laugh, your husband is saying, you gotta see this. (laughs) Are you looking? Are you (laughs) watching? watching? Hey, I just want to make sure it's being consumed. Uh... (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to start recording him and see how many sure. times he says that <laughs> yeah. throughout. That's fine. Um, uh, Sam, you haven't said anything. What you got? I want to see the episode where the doctor is constantly going into someone's body, including their liver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was that about? And why they're so offended by her going inside their liver. People always get so offended. They're like, oh, you're in my liver again. <laughs> 
Okay, I have a question about the relationship between the master and Baron. Is like is Baron like Who? Team Tardis? The Vor guy. Oh, Barrett. Barrett. Daniel Barrett. Barrett. Is it yeah. Barrett? Oh, I thought it was Baron. Anyway, um, is that like Team Tardis for the master, or is the master just using him? Using What's going him. on? Right. Yeah, I think he's and using the... him for because he owns like a big tech company so he's like using him for the like appleization of products and the fact that everything their company makes is connected to each other because i but think he... the thing the doctor recorded was the sentence saying that he the master was using barrett and the kerfafopuses <laughs> kasavin kasavin that's, yeah that's what i said but barrett obviously had evil intentions as well yeah, he wanted to destroy people. Yeah, he was like an actual piece of shit. So the and master he got away. The master is controlling the Kasavin. Kind of, but not really. I got okay. out he's of made it. a he's deal just... with them to yeah. work together. Using but then them. Barrett is also just working with them. Yeah. I don't quite get it. They're all just working together. That's but also but what I didn't s- like about that episode. You got well, it, Joe. Yeah. It's just kind of confusing. Well, the yeah. Master was using both the Kasavin and Barrett to attract the Doctor, pretty much. Like, he said it verbatim. He's like, how else would I get your attention? Yeah, three bad guys in a show is too many. <laughs> Have we learned nothing from Spider-Man 3? <laughs> That's why, like, in my head canon, as Alex would say, yeah. if they were Team TARDIS with each other, that it just sits better. Like, we understand the good Team TARDIS, then there could just be a bad Team TARDIS, and it would be great. Well, I don't think they were, like, rolling like that, though. Like, they weren't friends. No, but they could have been. Like, that would have made it make sense. There's been, like, fan chat over the years about, like, you know, the... Com- or the master having companions and what that would be like and, you know, story. And I'm sure there have been stories or like comics or audio dramas where that is the case. But uh, to put it on the show would be kind of ballsy because it's been something like purposely not done for a really long time. I don't know if I would like the master having a companion. I think this is the closest we get because the master would just use anyone that's useful. Like this is his quote unquote companions, I think. Yeah. And that's typical of master stories. I mean, we did see the master literally have a wife in an earlier season. So maybe everything I just said was really fucking stupid. Oh, yeah, that's right. He like brainwashed her or something or had some weird juju going on. Oh, so speaking of brainwashing, is that a thing that the doctors and or just time lords in general have been able to do is to just touch someone and remove their memories? Yeah, we've seen it many times. Yep. He did it with Clara, right? Did it with Clara. Well, that was with a little machine, but Donna to save he her life. He did it with Donna. He did mm. it with he tried to do it with Bill and then changed his mind. Okay. All right. So I for some reason, I always thought it was like with a Sonic, but never just like touching the forehead and doing it like that. Nope, just like I that. I forgot about that. Um, it was a little weird. We talked about this in our brothers, Alex. Um, 
or because we did that one with Mrs. J. Um, it feels a little rapey is not the right word, but forced upon. Remove, well, because she's removing those people's memories without their consent, and nor just kind of doesn't do anything. She's like, oh, okay, um, and whatever. She didn't even have to erase Nora's memories because she knew she was about to die. But with Ada, Ada is like actively fighting it and like yelling that she doesn't want this. And it's uh, kind of not cool. <laughs> like they could have accomplished the same thing with just Ada being like, oh, yeah, OK, that makes sense. And then doing it. It did feel really weird, especially because Ada was with her through so much of this. And what would it hurt for Ada to know that? Like, she's obviously intelligent. Right. But, I mean, it's necessary to erase her memory because of what she does. So, like, you can't... Like, she's actually super important, and so messing with history in that case is a bad idea. But to make it so forceful and against her will left a lot of people feeling weird about this episode. Yeah, but at the same time, Ada also forced herself along with the doctor. Like but she the doctor took forced the doctor's herself hands. along with Ada as well. So are, yeah. so are you saying, Terry, that she... She had it coming. She had it coming. She had it coming. Yeah, like oh, she no. <laughs> was not meant to go on this journey. And she forced herself into it. Because she wanted to do something, so this is her consequence of doing that. The doctor did yeah. it first, Terry, man. I have to delete this whole thing, man. <laughs> um, yeah, and no, I... I'm just saying, like, what the discussion was at that time, and right. people say the same thing about Donna, like, yeah, the fact that she begged him not to. Wasn't that and the... She, yeah. Yeah, she said she'd rather die than to have all that taken away from her and go back to how she used to be, and the doctor doesn't give her a choice. The he doctor's lack of emotional response to it is alarming as well. Like, maybe it is yeah. something just the doctor does and it's fine. Um, but just, again, that, like, she's had a lot of moments with Ada. Like, they've gone through a lot together. And to just have nothing, like, not be like, oh, I'm sorry, this this sucks, whatever. Like, there's no discussion, there's no whatever. Like you said, it's just forced. Yeah. Feels, yeah it, it does feel you weird. Could, yeah, you could fix it by doing exactly what you're saying. Just a little chat. And part as friends. Uh, one thing before we get to tweets. Now that we're seeing more of the TARDIS design, I hate it even more. Yes. <laughs> what is the point of those, like, pedestals? It's, it's they, to arouse they turn you. blue when the doctor said. Uh, I hate the wacky arm thing. Inflatable wacky arm mans. Men. <laughs> mans. Both. Man. Both like, mans and men. Don't hate them. know what... Someone post a picture and show me what... Yeah, I don't know what those are either. Yeah. So it's I was the penetrating just things. Like it's the, I thought the they were orange, and then like a scene later, like minutes later, they were all bright yes, blue instead. They changed, they changed color. Yeah, the color. And then changed. they went back to orange, like it was a giant mood ring. Yeah. 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 What fun is that? <laughs> that sounds great. RGB. But the doctor TARDIS. went to Home Depot and got some LEDs, bro. <laughs> but around the outside of the TARDIS, there's like levels or like. That's what I'm calling pedestals. Like different frames. I don't know. There's like steps that lead to nothing. Somebody yeah, will so like where steps, that hologram was. Yes. Yep. The steps are new so that they could give everyone somewhere to have a conversation because you can't do it anywhere else on the TARDIS. 
Um, so they decided to make steps that don't go anywhere so that the doctor could just lay on the floor while talking to the master. <laughs> it is but the worst. So those steps those are going to come back a lot because it's the only place you can talk on the TARDIS. Uh... With those steps, <laughs> I got the vibe that they were like, that was like a hologram station or something. No, they were there before the hologram came up. Right, but that's um, how the hologram showed up is because it's like where it would show up. But we saw like holograms, it's not steps; it's more of a pedestal. We saw holograms everywhere in this store. This episode, there's like no rhyme or reason to where the holograms show yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, that was okay, the vibe I let's, got. Let's do Ollie's tweet. Um, oh, can I say one more thing? Uh, Sam, can he say one more thing? Mm, fine. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I I just truly loved uh, when the doctor called out the master over the telegram of doing the double heartbeat. I thought yeah, that yeah, was we, really we, we got we got more time coming. You can oh. bring that. We'll talk about that. Well, damn we're it, not, we're not done with the podcast. <laughs> we're gonna we're, we're gonna do going a tweet to here. A tweet. Fine. <laughs> uh, Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says. While I don't love this one quite as much as the first, it's still magnificent. It feels more like traditional Who than part one, but still definitely stands out. I love it when Who does stories which fully take advantage of time travel, and this really does. Uh, Not only, yeah, I was going to bring that up too. Not only with multiple time periods, but with the Bill and Ted style solution to the plane crash and the master being stranded for decades. Uh, there's a lot happening in this one as well, but on the whole, it manages to not let anything be overshadowed too much by anything else. Even if Team TARDIS do get less to do to ha- to affect the plot. Having them separate from the Doctor works well, though, giving them time and space to process and voice their thoughts. Even if the main focus of the story is the Doctor and her pseudo-companions, Graham gets the more comedic moments this time, and the scene of a soft shoe shuffle is brilliant. Bradley plays the conversations about the Doctor so well, as do the others, and that conversation was sorely needed after last series and the lack of interest that Team TARDIS seemed to have in the Doctor. The use of different time periods in this is great, showcasing perhaps lesser-known historical figures is excellent. Ada Lovelace was already known to me, but giving the Doctor another scientist to work with is a really great idea, and Norcon was new to me, and I think the episode did an excellent job in exploring her and her exploits during the war. Using a real-life spy during a spy story is great. I'm going to skip that because it's a little spoilery. <laughs> Every time he writes Sasha when he's talking about Sasha Dewan, it autocorrects as sax. <laughs> and he just <laughs> keeps doing it, and it's great. Um, Sasha is obviously having such a good time in the role still, and he gets to be even more outlandishly evil here. Cruel and manipulative while giving depth to the master. The scene in the invention fair is pure cruelty on a level with classic master. The use of the TCE, that's tissue compression, something that starts with an E, is always horrific, but especially when it's coupled with the switch from the furious threat and the casual use of it on a completely random target. The use of four beats as their personal code is clever, and the contact scene is great. Always love references to classic who, so the George. Jodrell Bank line is great too. The conversation between 13 and the Master is incredible. The Master causing carnage in order to get the Doctor's attention adds so much depth to his character and their relationship. It's quite often a complaint about the story, so I'm curious if you've had any thoughts, but the scene of the Doctor revealing the Master to the Nazis does stand out as particularly cruel move by her, even if I only realize its significance on a rewatch. Before I make this entire thread about the Master, I'll stop 
but I think it's only fair to ask Terry what he thinks of the master's outfit in this story. Which one? <laughs> Pick one. This all, oh my god. Well just all the period outfits were just You per- you particularly love the Nazi uniform. <laughs> well, he looked dashing in that. Just to say. Um, <laughs> With the skull on the hat and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did they actually wear skulls on their hats? Like, how would they not know they're the bad guys? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I but. think they did know. I don't think that was a secret. <sighs> I know we briefly touched on it, but I loved the telepathy scene. Like, I didn't know that they could do that. And, like, the knocking back and forth. Again, this is a point where Alex is like, are you watching? Do you hear the knocking? Do you know what that is? <laughs> you guys should watch with Alex. It's yeah, a great time. I was oh my so God. excited the first time I saw that. It, with that the, was amazing. Bringing back the four knocks. And then Alex uh, ruined it by saying that was a classic Who thing. But I ruined it. No, I said I mean, it's the four knocks. We saw that in. in no, I know, Nubu. but like I didn't know they were telepathic, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And you're like, it's a classic Who. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But it's still really cool. No, I thought the same thing, and I didn't know it was classic until Jake told me. Yeah, he shut you down like you shut me down. No, it, it wasn't a shutdown. It was more of a like informational <laughs> thing. Jill is so offended. It's great. <laughs> Mrs. J told us if you go listen to that podcast, which oh. you can now, Jill. I didn't know that either. It's great. Loved it. But I did love the master's uh, first outfit probably the most. In the in the fair or the, in the convention, fair, yeah. He, mm-hmm. he was baller. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the term we use around here is banging. Oh, sorry. He does have some serious bangitude. 100% oh, yeah. bangitude. Aggressive bangitude. Do you think the Jesus. doctor and the master dated at one point? Oof. It's often heavily implied. I imagine there's tons of just fan service... No, or, fan. Or, or what's the term? Fa- fanfic. <laughs> fan service. Of those two. <laughs> let, me, let me send you a few links. No, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Like, there almost isn't any other kind of Doctor Who fanfiction. <laughs> it's mostly that. <laughs> There's got to be like a story of a Dalek in that plunger. Let's Let's be real to each other. <laughs> There's uh, some fun stories of like, ah, this bitch Rose keeps hanging out, but we really just want to be alone. (laughs) Anyway, Passion Fruit sent a jar candle at B underscore bird underscore moss says, Monsters and tech guy are disappointing. The fam having each other to survive without the doctor is lovely. And I adore the doctor master plot. The master is brilliant and threatening and the little jumps through time to revolutionary women of history was really sweet. Not a fan of the Doctor using the Nazis as a weapon against the Master, though, as much as I enjoyed the disgusting imagery of the Master dressed in a Nazi uniform. Yes. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. I I did like, in this tweet and the last one, they had mentioned, like, the, the time travel. So there, so this story, or this episode, is kind of like two stories. Um, it's like Team TARDIS without the Doctor, and then the Doctor and the Master, like super saiyan fighting through time and i really like the doctor and master stuff but the like the team tardis stuff was kind of weak but i enjoyed it still because they were doing all they could to like do what the doctor would do which is always just really fun to watch for me yes 
And as ever, we learn why these three people like each other. We do not, however, learn why they like the Doctor or why the Doctor likes them. <laughs> yes. I like to imagine um, the Doctor likes them because they act the way they do, which is doing the right <laughs> they thing. They don't and, ask questions? <laughs> well, no, trying to, like, fix the issue and stop the bad guy. Like, that's, like, the Doctor creams for that shit. <laughs> Literally but Stockholm do Syndrome. They... Well, they try. I'm not saying they succeed. <laughs> But does the Doctor even know that in this one? Like, all they managed to do was get to the point where they would have been killed by the bad guy if the Doctor didn't show up. Right. Hey, at least they got there. Yeah, but <laughs> the Doctor doesn't need to know what they did. Like, Okay, I, I think know. some of it's on the Doctor because why would you... like? Okay, so the point where the hologram cuts out in the plane, that was hologram, right? Or was it video? Whatever it was. It was what a video. What you, what? The video in the plane oh, yeah. where the doctor's like, blah, 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 blah. And now the important stuff before it cuts out. Like, you bitch, start with that. <laughs> Sorry, I can't call the doctor a bitch. <laughs> nope. But really. Gotta make jokes about Graham being a pussy. Right? Come Graham on. Graham got laser shoes, man. Back the fuck off. I think it's cool <laughs> that Ada and Noor filmed that. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> that's amazing and they went to like office max and got a white screen to pull down for her to stand in front of yep and a laminator so they could laminate the cards oh yeah yeah that scene where she's laminating she's like i love a good laminator and then it pans over to the other two i giggled out loud at that <laughs> <laughs> that was a really cute scene earlier cody uh made a point about like the deus ex machina of the doctor saving them but once in a while i do like like the ridiculous use of time travel to do stupid shit like that i wouldn't like it if it was every week but you know once or twice a, a year is i i enjoy it this one i think was particularly well done just yeah. because it was it wasn't they didn't just end it with like yeah i saved you on a plane here's an app here's an instruction guide that i made they like went through the process of how the doctor was actually able to do it, which is still kind of like a—I don't know if that still qualifies as a Deus Ex Machina if there's a straight-up explanation as to how it was conducted. Right. But. Well, and as every uh, tweeter has pointed out so far, it is fun to sometimes have time travel in our time travel TV show. Right. I really enjoy it. Like the time traveling made it feel real big as an episode. That's what made it feel like a th the three-parter, two-parter, but Absolutely. like the second part, which is also a third part. Uh, James Courtney at Mr. J.A. Courtney says, yeah, this one doesn't quite work as well. It just isn't very cohesive in the end. There are three different villains, and I'm not sure what each is hoping to achieve. This episode manages to adapt the last of the plot points of Stephen Moffat's The Curse of Fatal Death. Which is a, uh, like a short that he wrote for the 40th anniversary in 03, I think. Maybe it was in the 90s. I can't remember. It's funny. I'd watch it. Hugh Grant plays the Doctor for a little bit in it. Presumably, Moffat didn't adapt them as he couldn't make them work in a serious story. I certainly don't think Chibnall made one work when he used time travel to resolve the cliffhanger in a way that is disappointing and unearned. 
I have mixed feelings on Ada Lovelace. Um, as someone who did comp sci at uni, it is, it has been nice to see Ada getting more recognition over the years, but I would perhaps have preferred for her to get her own story. Again, the master was a mixed bag. I really don't dig the mad shouty bits. I just find that a tired trope. I want my masters to have different traits like the doctors do. In the end, I felt that it was too soon for the character to come back after they had the perfect end. Um, yeah, that's something I want to bring up after this. Uh, that isn't to say the character should never come back, just that after that arc, the master needed more time, especially as they reverted to type and didn't do anything new with the character. The episode almost felt like it was pretending none of that arc stuff happened. Um, I think it felt that way because that's what it did. Obviously, it shouldn't all be about that, but a small nod towards it would have been nice. Having said all that, I did love the Last Jedi Connect sequence. It was a fantastic repurposing of an established idea from Classic Who. Uh, oh yes, there were companions in this episode. I almost forgot. I think <laughs> Chibnall did as well. They don't really do much, <laughs> but faff around in the end. The whole Barton plot doesn't work. Um, too many ideas in this episode. Far too complex, and not in the Moffat way. Some of the decisions they made with this episode baffle me. There's the Doctor basically handing the Master to the SS, then wiping people's minds again. Once more, pretending that Moffat stuff didn't happen. The speech the Doctor gave to Nor at the end was also a bit off. Especially so when you find out that no, not only was a scene written of Nor's execution, but they actually filmed it. But let's tell her that fascism loses, and then wipe her mind. <laughs> I have one more point to end on, but whilst I have been quite picky about the episode, it is enjoyable. Hmm, that was a lot. His tweets are just That's, solid. They're they're really good. That you really laid it on on this one. Just fucking roasted, roasted the episode. Um, regarding the master coming back, I it does feel weird that we, like we went from a season that didn't really have a monster to having the monster be the master again, um, and like he said, after the big master, you know, is good now and whatever, hung out with the doctor for a long time in seclusion. Obviously, the time frame has to be different. I'm assuming, and what a this is what I wanted to ask you guys about it. So for us, watching it in this way, it's only been um, 12 episodes since the last time we saw The Master. But in time, because there was a break between seasons, it's been almost three years, or two and a half. I think so, that's enough. And I'm excited enough about whatever's going on at the Gallifrey plot that I don't even care. Yeah. Like, that, that's enticing enough that it, it doesn't matter that it's the Master back and evil again so soon to me. If we don't go over the Gallifrey plot, I'm going to be angry. <laughs> when um, they brought up the Timeless Children, which we saw in, like, episode four of last season, that they, or no, it was episode two, that they never brought back, <laughs> and we never talked about it other than, like, that one time. Uh, did that click with you guys? Is like something we've heard before. I know they show like a flashback to that episode, but were you guys cognizant of it? Did it excite you? Nope. It it definitely sounded familiar, uh, but I couldn't place why it was significant. 
So after the master says it, the doctor like doubles over with a head pain and then like has the memory of those floating scarves saying just the phrase of the timeless child in Ghost Monument, the second episode of Jody's era. Then mm-hmm. it flashes to a different scene that we've never seen before of like a child looking up into the sky and there's like this monolith that's that's new. Here's the deal. If they do some like weird ass Game of Thrones stuff where they're like, ha, look at this, this is cool. And then just kind of ignore it and go on with life. And then in the last episode, the doctor fights the dogs or some shit. Retroactively, I will be so disappointed. But for the time being, like there's very few episodes of Doctor Who where it just ends the episode in this cutoff of like, what was that? What's going on? And it gets you hyped up for the next episode. I know better because I've watched enough Doctor Who to know the next episode is going to tell me shit. But it, it kind of makes me hyped for the finale because that's always where it's at. Anyone else kind of thing before we move on to our segments? Yes. Speaking of the master's facial hair, I really love how like in the beginning, he's very clean shaven and like nerdy and all of that. But as he grows uh more evil essentially like he gets a fuller beard and i'm really hoping that at the end of this season uh he just has like <laughs> uh like a 12 inch beard and is just mega evil like i i'd be, I just... I'd be down for that was yeah. anyone talking about his facial hair uh terry was nope. just now <laughs> yeah speaking of something completely <laughs> irrelevant to what we're talking about well i wanted to go back and look at the costumes that he was wearing over both episodes and i i saw like he as he was slowly progressing and like when you he shows there he says that he's the master like he's already got like a five o'clock shadow compared to like the beginning of the thing and then uh, as he's going on, it's just like getting fuller and fuller and it's giving more definition to his face rather than looking so innocent and childish uh, that like I just I love it. It looks great. You know, I didn't notice that. But now that you mention it, that is really cool. Um, It's almost like uh, Capaldi's hair as the time he's the doctor, it like just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> the Capaldi fro. I have another favorite line. When the doctor says, so arrogant, didn't even change the appearance. I really enjoyed that. Oh, the the Master Tardis? Yeah. And then, is it bad that I think I liked Ada and Madeline better as companions than the other three for the time being? Oh, damn. Just Shots fired. It was really fun to have them as companions, just because... I feel like we got to know them better than we know the other three. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, like, their history. Like, I feel like you know them because you learn so much about Ada and you learn so much about Madeline or Nor, whatever you want to call her. So you feel like you actually know them, whereas we've talked about the other three companions really don't feel like you know who they are and they've been with us for over a season. I still love Graham, so there's that, but it <laughs> Graham's was, adorable. It was fun to have two new companions and feel like you really knew them. That last tweet mentioned uh Newer's execution. Did they actually film that? 
Alex give me that fun fact theme song. <laughs> fun fun facts. So according to cultbox.com, part two originally had a scene in which Nor was captured and executed by Nazis. Um, but it was cut. I mean, Nor was actually killed by Nazis, but in Germany, not in Paris, so I feel like it would have been rewriting history if they did that, and I actually kind of find it hard to believe that they would have even bothered shooting that. Huh. Um, Sylvie Briggs played Ada Lovelace. She's currently playing a character called Clara in the new HBO series The Nevers, which just started last week and I have not watched, but kind of want to. It was created by Joss Whedon. Halfway through production, HBO very politely asked him to leave, but he's still on as a creator, and the show will move on without him. Bye, Joss Whedon. Wait, what? Why? He did some. He's he a terrible person. Well, no, that well, he didn't do anything like assault wise. He's just a dick, and people don't like him. So, like, yeah, all that stuff came out about him being mean to people on Buffy and on Justice League, but that this was before all that. Like, he was making the show, and HBO was just like, "Dude, you suck. Please leave." <laughs> He's just like a bummer to hang out with. Was Joss Whedon the Avengers guy? Yep. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, they brought up some old tweets from a long, long time ago. Oh, really? Yeah. But, like, super sexist stuff. Oh, he's always been sexist. That's not a secret. And then, like, everybody that played Avengers was like, ah, I mean, like, the dude's, yeah, he's a dick, but he's changed. (laughs) And he's very reasonable to work with. And, you know, sometimes people grow up from what they were a long time ago. And Disney was like, or he's canceled. Lol. Well, he didn't work for Disney. Um, uh, the Avengers is Disney. Fuck off. He didn't get fired from the Avengers. He made two Avengers movies. It was the next one they were making. Come on. No. Come, keep up, Jake. Nah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really know the specifics. I'm not. But it is, it is funny to hear saying. Charisma Carpenter, who was on Buffy, say that like um, when she got pregnant, he threatened to fire her. Oh. Um, no, I think, Cody, are you thinking of like... Uh, the other director that got canceled but then was exonerated man the list goes on no forever. it was it was uh it was the guardians of the galaxy guy oh james gunn, uh, yep. gunn. that is who you're gunn. thinking of that that's who i'm thinking of yeah yep. he, d- he did have the old tweets yeah everyone loves james gunn now everyone was behind him it was like no james gunn's cool okay uh so everything he... i said uh don't worry about it it's uh <laughs> it's it's not it's not right but yeah no um yeah, Joss Whedon never did anything that was cancelable. Just people don't like him because he's a bummer. <laughs> he's just a dick. Alex, give me the MVP theme song. One second, Jill's letting dogs out. Who let the dogs out? Jill, 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 Jill. Jill, Jill, Jill. <laughs> Alright. Alright, future uh, Jake. What, Line what, those uh, what song? <laughs> uh, MVP. MVP. Alex, who's your MVP? I already gave it to Sasha Duan. Jill, who's your MVP? She's not here right now. <laughs> Cody, who's your MVP? Sasha Duan. 
and only forever in my Sarah, heart. who's your MVP? Number three for, for Sasha. Sarah, who's your MVP? Dun, 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 dun. Sasha Duan. Dun, 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 dun. Jill, who's your MVP? Sasha Duan. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my God, Jill. <laughs> Something changed. Perfect. I can't tell. Is it your hair? <laughs> it is now time for everybody's favorite podcast game, the Podcast Pub Quiz. Whoa. These marrieds will break up into teams of them and their married partner. Terry will be alone. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that one was particularly mean. It felt to that. I didn't mean to sound like that. Do we want to wait? Back? No. Uh, like she. Yeah, we'll wait. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait. Okay. No, we'll wait. Alex can suffer by himself. <laughs> Welcome yeah, to loneliness. Like the rest of us. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey guys, Future Jake here. Instead of doing like I normally do, where I'm going to ha- have me reading the questions and then maybe have some of their back and forth before we get to the answers. I was to skip right ahead to me saying the questions, then the answers. I think I'm going to leave in like a little five second delay between me asking and revealing the answers so that you can play along. All right, back to it. Question numero uno. Later this season, there's a story that takes place in New York. We, for this podcast, have previously seen three stories that also take place in New York. Name those stories, or at least get close enough. One point each. Go. Angels take Manhattan. Correct. Empire State Dalek. Close enough. <laughs> Does Daleks on Broadway count? Yes. Sweet. What's the actual title? Yeah, what are the actual titles here? Is this right? It's the Angels Take Manhattan, and it's the Daleks in Manhattan. Oh, we got it. Okay, so I said Angels in Manhattan and Daleks Close in enough. Manhattan. Okay. We didn't get a third. And the I third had, one. I had no idea on a third. Any guesses? Statue of Cybermen. The Return of Doctor Mysterio. Oh, oh yeah. That episode was so bad that I just completely cut it out of my mind. <laughs> yeah, that one's gone, but <laughs> In Time Heist, the Dr. Clark team up with two people who agree to be part of their team because they each want something. What do they want? Food? No idea. Cody <laughs> could not even remember this episode happening. I So I, I narrowed it down. It was Capaldi and Clara... And the doctor was the architect yep. of the whole heist, but was also yep. a player. And they had to wipe their minds yep. to do yep. the heist. But yep. I couldn't remember what the other two people oh, wanted. I got it confused with a different episode. I said that they Typical. wanted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I thought there was one that they wanted to get like their other crew members out of jail. So they hooked up with the doctor and Clara and they got onto a spaceship to break into this thing. So you to made get up an there. episode that doesn't even exist. Well, that or I'm. <laughs> I remember the one guy was like the hacker man. So I, I feel like it was yep. some sort of technology thing that he wanted. But yep. I couldn't I couldn't think of anything to I put said down. Perfume. I also said no. jewels. So there was Cy, I think was his name, who was the tech guy. 
He had erased all of his memories of his loved ones to protect them. He was looking for a piece of software that would give him his memories back. The other lady was Sabra. She was a mutant who could um, make herself look like anyone that she touched. She wanted this serum that made it so she could stay in her form. That's I. I I remember this episode now. Uh, that's why I think I thought it was perfume. Was it like in a bottle? Yeah, I, ju- I think it was more like you drink it. <laughs> I I remember it like being in a. That's yeah. all I remember is a bottle. I was not close. In the episode Oxygen, what is distinguishable about the man who accuses Bill of being a racist? Blue he guy. Blue. blue guy. Big He's blue. blue. Terry, did you get oh. blue? Again, I couldn't figure out did what Did you think it was. it was an episode that doesn't exist? He was wearing a monocle. Great. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> it's distinguishable. What two songs did Cassandra play on a jukebox? For the record, I'm super pissed I couldn't think of it because we mentioned it a lot in the podcast. <laughs> Toxic by Britney Spears. Toxic. Fuck, you're right. (laughs) I can't remember the other one. Uh, Beat It by Michael Jackson. Ooh, that would have cost way too much money for a TV show. Oh. Yeah, I suppose Um, I didn't think about it that way. Is it Mickey? Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. Or is it... Oh, no, Missy's saying that. Uh, Or is it um, the... Never gonna give you up. Never gonna how break many, you. How many guesses are you allowed? <laughs> uh, two. Two songs, sir. Those are my two. Oh. No, it's Tainted Love. Tainted Love. Oh. I never would have gotten that. How many points does everyone have? Uh, we have one, two, three, four. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> four points. This is a record week for us. We have we have three points. Okay, uh, yeah, we have three points. Terry, not three points. Okay, almost anyone can win. In the power of three, <laughs> one of the cues plays a kitschy wedding song. What is it? The chicken, chicken dance. dance. It's the chicken dance. Yeah, Cody. Hey, I, I had that one down, and I wrote electric slide instead. <laughs> Terry, nobody does the electric slide at weddings. Everyone does. I've been to a hundred weddings. It has happened zero times. Nah, Jake is uh-huh. the boring wedding. I'm going to a wedding in the, within the next month. If you guys were all in music school, like you guys have different weddings. No, Your no, weddings don't. You count. were at a this wedding. Is, this is guarantee a, we did the electric. This slide. is yeah, a, and it was crazy. The wedding I'm going to. People. The wedding I'm going to is like a work friend's wedding, so not music. He's a technician. Whatever. If the electric slide shows up, I will text you. I, well. Do you mean like the song plays or the dance is done by a group of people? Oh. Like the whole DJ's like, all right, everybody on the floor, electric slide time. <laughs> what are we in middle school PE class? Right? Yes. That was the last time I did <laughs> the electric slide. It's the same slide. thing for the chicken dance. Right. Yeah, but the thing is, everyone does the chicken dance. 
Right, and everyone knows the chicken dance. Nobody knows the electric slide because it's not the thing. Electric the instructions slide is the easiest are thing. In, like little two-year-olds are out there doing the chicken dance Terry, and loving it. I'm not, I'm not denying the ease of the electric slide. I'm denying its prominence in popular culture. <laughs> well, I'm also just bitter because I do not do well at this game. <laughs> Clearly, I believe in you, Terry. I had to tell him the first question after you guys left 17 times because he didn't understand it. And then he just it's... made up episodes that have never happened. <laughs> That's it's fair. It's 10 15. Terry's tired. Give me a break. <laughs> Terry's Alex... tired. I've been watching so much Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, you really need to start referring to yourself in third person. Terry yes. loves yogurt. <laughs> but because we love that show so much, you can only refer to yourself as Tatters. <laughs> Right. Oh no! Tatters <laughs> loves it's, yogurt. It's the downgrade from Terry. Oh, don't listen! Don't listen to the newest "Neither the Time Nor the Space" because they really shit on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh no! 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 What's wrong with them? Well, How can you shit on Brooklyn Nine Nine? I thought you were going to say so, they shit it's on Matt, Tatters, isn't it? Matt just <laughs> hates scared. everything. Yeah. So David's like, "Oh, I've been watching Brooklyn Nine Nine with the wife this week," and Matt's like, "Meh." And then David's like, yeah, I don't like it either. I'm cool, too. <laughs> then, but uh, but I did watch all seven seasons in the last two weeks. Okay, watch it again, because you're wrong. Huh. No, David likes it. He's just trying to be cool in front of Matt. Oh, it's so good. They won't hear this for six months. It's everything I want in a TV show. Um, Alex, can you give us the paper crumpling theme song, please? So was it Cody and Sam that won the trivia? Yes. For okay. sure. Well, let's put it this way. It wasn't you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if I had another person with me, then maybe my ideas wouldn't be terrible. I would have gotten zero on this one, Terry. Don't feel bad. Uh, this is Ben Married to Who, our episode on Spyfall Part 2. If you'd like to listen to older episodes of our podcast, you can do so at MarriedToWho.com. If you want to listen to any of the previous 110, you can do so on Spotify, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. If you want to participate in the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Married to Who Pod. You can follow us on Instagram, Married to Who, or you can email us, Married to Who at gmail.com. On behalf of myself, Jake, Cody, Sam, Jill, Alex, and our producer Terry, thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for Orphan 55. <laughs> Do 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 do